Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Marquee Network Analyst. Two-time All-Star. From the Chicago Cubs, Alfonso Soriano. Aramis Ramirez. Kerry Wood. Carlos Zambrano. Ryan Dempster. And World Series champion Ryan Dempster. Swing and a miss. And Dempster with back-to-back strikeouts here in the fifth inning. Seven now in all. Another slider and Fontenot chased it. Apparently did not make contact, so that is a strikeout. Number 11 for the Cubs starter. With Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on 670 to score. This is what we've discovered, people. Major League Baseball is great. I'm a big fan, if you didn't know. But it's not essential for baseball talk radio. It took me a little while to realize that. But now we are knee deep in uh, in conversation, and we don't we don't need baseball. We've had enough baseball. Let's work with what we have, shall we? Welcoming in on the Alpamani Ford Hotline, Ryan Dempster to talk some baseball this morning. You get a produced open, you get an intro, you just don't get any games. No games for you, Ryan. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm I'm, uh, I'm actually just sitting here realizing when I I sent a tweet out that we were going to do this that. It auto-corrected baseball to babes, so it says, look forward to shooting the babes all breeze. <laughs> I think babes that's pretty funny. All, babes all breeze. All right, well, Instead how do we shoot baseball that? breeze. And I don't know. Yeah. I'm preferring the baseball breeze. I like that one. Yeah, I like, the, I like the baseball breeze myself, absolutely. How are you, man? How weird is this to be in late March and not have – either, um, you know, workouts to attend or do for yourself? I mean, hell, you're drafted in 95, and before that, you'd play two. How many years in a row where you've been involved in baseball on some level at this point right now, and you're not? Yeah, I think this is the first time in 38 years. Wow. So, I mean, I've been pretty much playing baseball since I was four years old. So, um, whether that's dusting the glove off and getting ready and then, um, you know, playing all the way through high school and then the minor leagues and the big leagues and then my post-career covering games and, and doing that. So we're in a very interesting world right now. And, um, you know, I was saying to somebody yesterday, it's 
it's tough because baseball and, and sports um, have always been this uh, catalyst or this um, vehicle for helping people get over tragedies or overcome certain obstacles that the world's gone through and given place, given a place where people can go to kind of get away from it all. But right now, nobody can get away from all of this. Um, we're asking everybody to, but everybody's in this together, the whole entire world. And um, it's, it's eerie. It's unfamiliar territory. And we're all trying to figure it out like everybody else. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's well said. My, my friend Barry Rosner, who I used to host this show with, um, says that sports matter because they don't matter. And I, I, I really like that. And I find myself thinking about it a lot because it's, they, it doesn't matter truly in your, you know, to the essentials of life. And that's what we're all dealing with. But it's always been so healthy and so great to have baseball as something to escape to, something to bond over family with. I mean, my dad and I still call each other with trivia questions, you know, when I talk to my brother, we still, you know, check in about, about teams and stuff. And it's it, to not have that, it feels so foreign. Um, and, and I, I deal, I deal with it with humor because that's how I like to roll. And I know you do as well, but underneath that is like, underneath that is this, is this weird sadness and like baseball loneliness, I guess I'd call it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I, I think, you know, I, I deal with a lot of things with humor, um, probably more than I should. Um, but I, but I, but I believe in the the power of that for our own mental health, right? Because yes. in a time right now where every every article we're picking up in the newspaper or on the news or on social media is is about really tough stuff and and hard things to deal with and 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 hear about and people dying and all these things. So in order to keep our mental health, I think that it is important that we talk about other things and we um, we do smile and we do laugh. Because on the other side of this, when this is all done, hopefully in in the near future, not the far future, that's going to be a major issue. People are going to, there's going to be people, there's going to be depression because people have lost jobs, people have lost money, people have lost their livelihood, family members, all those kind of things. So, you know, to, in order to stay sane and stay mentally health, healthy, we have to do those things. Um, but it is tough. And it, and it shows you right there, like, listen, we put athletes on pedestals all the time, right? We we marvel at them, you know, the Mike Trouts of the world and, the, you know, the LeBron James and the Sidney Crosby's and, you know, the Tom Brady's and these guys are magical creatures that are out there on a baseball field. But what this is teaching us is that at the end of the day, we're all humans. We all are like, we're all the same, no matter um, the color of our skin, our gender, whatever it is, that this, this is not a discriminatory disease that is attacking everybody. And it, and it really just puts things into perspective and, um, and you just got to kind of kind of sit back and go, whoa, for a second um, and, and take it all in and, and, and try to just take care of one another right now. And the best way you can do that is by listening to the experts and the people that make the right decisions and, and are trying to ultimately protect us as a, you know, as a society and, and keep us safe and keep our families safe. And, and so that one day um, when this all ends, that we can be back out there admiring those same people again for their talents on their field or you know, in their arena or whatever it is. Just your standard sports radio baseball conversation. That's all we're doing here, <laughs> Ryan. You know, just your just your classic March 22nd, four days away from opening day. Yeah, this is what we all expected to be doing, man. I mean, four days away from opening day. And it's uh, 
it's it's not going to happen for a while. I was really looking forward to this year, like, and and I still am. I I'm not I'm not letting it go. I I I mapped it out in the first segment of the show. I have this dream. I have this hope of spring training two electric boogaloo starting like June first <laughs> or something like that, right? Um, yeah. And yeah, and then and then late June. Um, I think June 29th, it's Cubs in Milwaukee. June 22nd, the White Sox are home. So late June, we get a start, an 81-game series, just play 81-game season, just play the second half of the year, kill interleague play, you know, uh, find a way to, to, to revamp the schedule as needed, minimize travel, and then have a full-on playoffs in the normal scenario, three, three division champs in a wild card, and let's go. And people will need it if it does happen. Hell, even if we can only get 60 games in. Hell, even if we got to do a World Cup-style group play in, like, August, you know, and do a round robin and then have a full playoffs. People are going to need it. We're all going to need it. And baseball will get a little bit of revenue with the full postseason. Why not, right? Why not dream of it? That's yes. what the offseason is for. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, you look at moments in time. Look at 9-11. And what, when I think about, you know, the aftermath of all that, I think about George Bush throwing a, a first pitch at, at Shea Stadium. I think about Mike Piazza hitting that home run. You know, there, there's those moments that after all that, I played on a team in, in Boston in 2013 that our city was bombed. And it was, you want to talk about, it was martial law. It was, you were locked down in your home. And, and while it wasn't an extended period of time like it is right now, it was a scary, scary time. I mean, it was like a scene from The Walking Dead when you got up on the top of the roof and you looked out. There's nobody out there. Wow. And baseball, then Daniel Navas hitting a, you know, a three-run home run off of Kelvin Herrera in the eighth inning and just electrifying this crowd, and we go on to win a World Series, not just for us as players, not for our rings or our trophies or our parade, but for the healing of a city. And, and it means that. It means that to people. And, and baseball, I, I think probably more than any other sport for some reason – really does that and and i you know it's america's pastime and and you know i know all the players and everybody uh first and foremost is is hoping for you know some sort of answer to all of this that's going on but secondly be straight behind that is providing that that relief for people and that that outlet for them to go and and feel like life is normal again and because there's nothing more normal than a beer and a hot dog at wrigley field i think people really want to have that for people and provide that and Hopefully that opportunity is there, and I'm right with you. Whatever the season ends up being, if it can be a season, um, great. If it can be a shortened season, great. If it, if it, you, know, you said it's a World Cup style tournament, so be it. Whatever it is, just hopefully that opportunity is there for guys to get out and play again. See, this is this is what why I love talking to you. I, I said it last hour. Like anything that's going on in baseball that I want to discuss has probably happened in your career, some version of it. You know what I mean? Like, if, if we want to talk part, about, yeah. right, if we want to talk about Tommy John surgery and the young White Sox starters coming back or what Chris Sale's dealing with today, I mean, you've had Tommy John. We want to we want to talk about, um, you know, a, a, a stoppage, a weird stoppage of baseball for societal reasons. You're a Florida Marlin during, in 2001 uh, for 9-11. And then you've got the 2013 story that you just, that whole that whole run that you shared with, with the Red Sox. I remember... The, the Patriots Day game was canceled. That was the day, right? It's Marathon yeah. Day, and there was the Marath- supposed I, to be I pitched supposed- that day. Yeah, you pit you pitched that day. So what? I pitched. Re- re- yeah. rem- remind me, because that's it, it's it's an eleven o'clock game usually in Boston, the day of the marathon. Thank God somebody reminded me the night before, by the way, because I was just starting 
pitcher for the day game, and then somebody called and said, hey, by the way, it's an 11 o'clock game. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> uh-huh. glad, I'm glad I made that one. But, uh, yeah, and, and then, you know, we finished the game. We beat Tampa Bay. We were getting ready to fly out. Um, you know, we were, we were on the, uh, the, the bus. David Price was chirping at Big Poppy because Big Poppy had stared at a home run. That's all we were talking about, and, uh, hmm. you know, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, every time we would drive to the airport, um, because Boston's a small city and there's a lot of traffic and we got these big buses and getting out of there, we always were escorted by uh, police officers on their motorcycles. And out of nowhere, and this is, you know, 2013, Twitter's just kind of com- coming into full force, not even there yet. Um, social media is not really blown up like it is yet. And all of a sudden, all of these police officers just leave, like, boop, 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 and they're all gone. And we're like, and then somebody said, hey, I heard there's a bombing at the at the, uh, at the the uh, marathon. And then it was like, there might be another one of them. And then they just got us on that plane. That was the fastest I ever got on and out of a city in my entire career. And my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was at the airport flying to Chicago. And she was like, what do I do? I said, get out. If they're going to let you fly, go. Like, that's how unknown. We didn't know what was going on. And it was. It was yeah. mass panic and, and chaos and confusion and, you know, um, and a lot of people that were very, very scared. And, and it wasn't until, you know, uh, a week later that they kind of had answers and figured out what exactly was going on. And, and we were lucky that was only a week and not longer or not more serious than something that was already incredibly serious and painful to go through. So, um, you know, life life throws you curveballs, man, in a big way. And, you know... Um, Luckily, as we're seeing out there, people are, are rallying together and, and trying to do the best they can right now in that same situation. And, and, and then where does, where does the day that you resumed in Boston and Big Poppy says, this is our effing city, like where does, where does that stand in terms of, you know, electric moments in a ballpark for you? Yeah, well, like for a lot of people who saw that moment and saw him go out there. Um, yeah it was incredible. Right. And, and I, and I remember um, him not really having a plan and he had, he had this look in his eye and he's walking down the tunnel and he just said, you're not going to want to miss this. <laughs> and I think, I think that, I don't think that's because he knew he was going to say what he said, but I think cause he knew he was going to speak with passion, with heart. Mm. And, um, but, but what people didn't see was before that um, in our locker room, you know, and, and for, you know, anybody who's been to Fenway, both the home and especially the visiting, but the home locker room, they're not very big. And we had the mayor, the governor, the head of the Secret Service, the head of the FBI, um, the chief of police, um, as wow. well as 20 Navy SEALs and special ops people and, you know, Secret Service agents and paramedics and police officers and firefighters. And you name, our whole entire locker room was full, shoulder to shoulder. And I remember looking at a couple guys, like, I remember Johnny Gomes looking over and just going, right? I know, we can't lose, dude. Look what's, look what's on our back. We can't. It's impossible for us to lose this year. And huh. that was an honest-to-God true feeling. We had, you could see it. It was like, it was like whoa, we have all of this support. And it, it just showed the, the really the beauty of a city coming together and overcoming an obstacle in short order. Um, and that when people do that, when they listen, when they um, trust the people that um, are trying to look out for them, that that great things can happen. And, and it happened in, you know, fortunately, like I said, for us in short order. And then it led to, you know, that moment where Big Poppy's out there and dropping this is our effing city. 
Um, and, and, and people felt that. And then they acted like that. Our fans acted like that. We fed off that energy, and we were given this incredible uh, privilege, this honor to help a city heal from all that. And it was, it was magical. It was an incredible experience, one I'll never forget the rest of my life. It was, it was something that we turned tragedy into triumph together, united, and it was, it was special. Wow, that's that's awesome. Talking to Ryan Dempster here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Matt Spiegel here with you, bringing a little baseball conversation to your to your Sundays as as always. And one of your teammates there, and I know it's a special group of people, and you've referenced a bunch of them, but one of your teammates there is David Ross. What was Ross like as a teammate, um, and 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 how might he be uh, a great personality? Um, to be, uh, you know, atop the Cubs ball club if and when this season does happen. Yeah, you know, you know what, too, in, in 2013, um, David took some, some foul tips to his mask um, early on oh, in right. the year. And, and you know, he would, he'd always been this incredible teammate um, from people I talked about. And competing against him across the field, you really got, you know, the sense, especially, you know, for somebody who – um, you know, wasn't a starter. He was a backup. Every time he played, it was like, whoa, this guy's, this guy's bringing it. Like, if their starting catcher had this kind of energy and this kind of, like, compassion or passion, they, they'd be a better team. Like, that's how you felt when you, when you competed against them. And then now I get to be his teammate, and I'm watching this happen. And then this happens where he had some concussions, and he had to go home. And when he came back from going home through concussion protocol, um, you know, just given everything that went on. And I think just him as a, as a person, as you get older, you, you tend to be a little bit wiser sometimes. Um, he really, truly appreciated and, and relayed that to us as teammates, as guys. You know, I was at home in my basement, you know, weeks ago. This could have been over. Like, don't take anything for granted. Don't take it for granted for a second. And he exuded that and, and really brought that out in all of us to, to not take moments for, for granted. Great. You're in first place. Cool. Stay there. Like, Oh, you're an all-star right now. Cool. Be an MVP. Like, and, and I just think he had, he had that pers- personality in general, but that moment in his career really, really turned that to a next level and to be an even better teammate and the whole guy is really, really accountable um, what is holding guys accountable? It's making sure that they're always trying to set the best example out on the field to not taking pitches off, to not, uh, you know, to, to not taking anything for granted. And I think he was so good at that as a teammate and as a person that he can't help but be that way as a manager. And it's not easy and it's not going to be easy. And he's going to have bumps in the road for sure. And it's not going to be, you know, um, just rolling out of bed and expecting great results. But I think if there's somebody who's, uh, makeup and experience um, can can uh, kind of come across that way. He's the guy to do it, and um, nobody's ever going to replace Joe Madden. Joe Madden did incredible things, um, but to be the next in line to succeed him, I think David Ross is the perfect guy for that. Six seventy, the score is where you are. Ryan Dempster uh, on with us on Hit and Run. Um, all right, we're gonna take a break. We'll come back, and I want to talk with you about one of your teammates at Marquee, at the Marquee Sports Network. And I need to know if there's been new interactions because the old interactions make for some of my favorite Ryan Dempster stories of all time. So we'll talk about that next. Also, my uh, spring training obsession. From out there in Arizona, I need to ask you about a specific player of import as well. Baseball conversation continues next on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. 
What was the tipping point in bringing you to Boston? I think, you know, really, like at the end of the day, it was the chance to, to go out there and, and win and compete for a World Series. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. Ryan Dempster with Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run. Peter Gammons and Ryan Dempster, then Joe Buck calling Ryan Dempster and the Red Sox winning a title. And then in 2016, Buck got to call the Cubs winning a title. Not a bad career for that guy. Not a bad career for Ryan Dempster uh, or Peter Gammons or hell, Matt Spiegel on a much, much lower basis. You listen to Hit and Run on 670 to score. Ryan Dempster joining us and I appreciate the time on a Sunday morning to hang out, Ryan. Um, I- I'm wondering if you have been hanging out at all or if you had a chance to see Lou Pinelli yet. You're, you're now teammate at Marquee because when we did this last year, we were in the studio looking at each other face-to-face in a pre-virus situation. Um, the the, the Pinelli stories were like, I think it's some of the, my favorite stuff I've ever talked about with a ball player. Lou is just a ridiculous man. Is he still a ridiculous man, an enjoyable man? <laughs> Um, he, you know what? He, I'll tell you what, whatever managing does to people, he's like Benjamin Button. <clears throat> I mean, he's gone reverse direction. He's lost weight. He looks, he looks younger. He looks healthier. Managing is a tough gig. It is tough. It, yeah. it wears on you. It's like being a president. Cause you, you look like way older when you're getting done. But Lou has gone the other way. When I first saw him, I was like, Skip, you look amazing. What have you been doing? And, and, um, you know, it's going to be so great to be able to to be around him. And, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of, you know, stories and knowledge that this guy has from the game, not only as a player, but as a, as a you know, hitting coach and a, and a manager is, is, you know, so, so much. And then, you know, he's such a character on top of it all. And we actually had a chance to sit down and, and do a thing for Marquee Sports where it was me, Doug Glanville, um, Mark Grace, and, and Lou Pinella and Chris Myers kind of mediated it. We did a roundtable discussion and, you know, just kind of going down memory lane and so much fun. And, uh, and you know, he gave me an opportunity to start again, which I really loved. He, tr- he treated me great. And, um, you know, he was, he was definitely a reason why I wanted to be out on the, on the bench during the game every single moment because you never knew what he might say or what he might do, um, whether that was tell Larry Rothschild to get, a, you know, a certain pitcher up and then two seconds later find out they'd already sent him down before the game. And so then he'd just tell Larry, well, then get another righty up. You know, so <laughs> that's the one. That, that's the one. I have I have retold that so many times. I, I, I forget who it was. Was it was it Wickman? I don't it was know. Michael, Michael Wirtz. It was Michael. Wirtz. Oh, Wirtz. Get Wirtz yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. and then Larry had this confused look on his face, and he said, uh, "Hey, Lou, we sent him down. Remember?" He goes, "Well, then get another righty up." You know, and it was just like, <laughs> like, like I shouldn't have so to good. tell you. Yeah. yeah, and just like the quickness that it, what she did it, it wasn't like confusion. It was just like, cool, solve the problem and get another right-handed pitcher going. It was so good. Yeah, it was it was a blast, you know. Or like you know the the old uh, hey, uh, you know who do we have to hit off the bench? And Alan Trammell says, uh, you know, well what what about Johnson? And he says Johnson, who's Johnson? He goes, you know Johnson. And he goes, Alan, who's Johnson? He goes. Reed, he goes, oh, Reed, yeah, get him ready. You know, it's so good. 
And that was like a daily basis, you know. But but when it came down to it, sometimes I felt like it was almost like a little bit of a persona, you know, because at the core of it, he knew the game so well, and he knew how, you know, he he knew hitting so well, and he was a great man to talk the game of baseball with. See, that that's awesome. I, it, Lou's name came up uh, as I was doing some research. I think I think it might have been Jason Stark or Kenny Rosenthal. Somebody at the Athletic wrote about David Ross and what he's gonna face. And they did the research and found managers who had to manage a team that they were on less than uh, three years prior, with three years separation, like Ross, right? So from yeah. 2016 to 2020. And one of them was Joe Torrey with the Angels. Um, one of them was John Waffen with the Kansas City Royals. And that's a catcher. And so is Torrey, obviously. But so there's interesting. But one of them was Pinella. One of them was Pinella. When he got his first gig managing the Yankees, he had been a Yankee like three or four years ago. So he that's a guy who had to transition from, you know, uh, fun-loving but probably irascible teammate to uh, to boss. And and yep. figure that out. And um and I bet Lou was real was really good at that. I don't know if that came up in your thing with Myers, but but next time I, I mean I, I, I he's done it. He's done what David has to try to do. Yeah, and and you know what, like Lou Lou kind of reminds me a little bit of like David a little bit in that sense. Like he was a he was a player who when he was out there it was game on, let's go. And uh, and I'm sure um, just like David, it's the same way. And, and players really players respect that man. When there's a guy um, who who's it's game time all the time um, when, when they say play ball uh, in between. Hey, man, have your fun and you can have fun during the game. There's nothing wrong with that. But, um, you know, I think I think there's probably a few similarities there um, when it when it when it comes down to it. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern football coach Fitz and the Wildcats host Nebraska and Maryland this fall at Ryan Field. Buy tickets now at NUSports.com. And this segment is brought to you by Kenosha Subaru. So um, I mentioned that Tommy John is, I mean, poor Chris Sale. I guess the timing is right. It, you know, if you want to look bright side as we're all so, you know, we're, we're so good at looking now um, on the bright side. The man has gotten very, very well paid, got a nice extension after getting the Red Sox to the World Series and helping them finish that. And, um, and, and there's no season right now for a while. So it's, it, you know, that, but like we spent so much time in this town watching Chris Sale and that weird ass dynamic, those weird mechanics when he was a member of the White Sox and people saying, you know, he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. And he never did. He never did. He was brilliant constantly. And he was still brilliant when he went to Boston. And then it fell apart there. Do you, you know, as, as we think about, like getting pitchers ready to go for what might be a short season or a weird season. One of the challenges is going to be talking to these guys and saying, I know it's outside your normal routine, but trust us. Or what can we try? Or what can we do? Um, you know, throw short or whatever. I, I, how open-minded will pitchers be to that kind of thing? I think that's the biggest question as we look at half a year here um, or, 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 or less. Like how how creative and open-minded will pitchers be about trying to get ready to go? Cause that might be the key to whether there's any baseball at all. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think you're going to find guys who are going to be willing to do anything. Some guys listen at the end of the day, you were supposed to be playing and supposed to be getting ready right now anyways, and supposed to be pitching. So if I had any advice for guys, 
in the best that you can in the social distancing uh, world that we're living in right now is continue to throw, continue to keep your arm moving. And it doesn't have to be off the mound. And, and obviously you're going to get this break, but you, you're almost better off doing that than just sitting down and not throwing and then cranking it back up again. Because guys were getting really close to the start of the season. And I remember in, in 2001 when 9-11 happened, I was in Atlanta. Um, I had flown up on an off day to um, go spend time with my girlfriend, um, and I got stuck there. And I'm like, well, we don't know when baseball is going to start. We don't know what to do. And every day I go to the tennis court, and I take – first I started with tennis balls, and I just throw tennis balls against the wall. And then I found some baseballs, and I just throw baseballs against the brick wall. So that way when the season started back up, that I didn't sit there and risk injury because I hadn't been throwing. And I, and I think that's really important is that, you know, hmm. if you find somebody you can play catch with, keep your arm moving, play catch six days a week, you know, keep it going so that when all of a sudden it's like, hey, if and when this gets turned on, is that you're ready to put not only yourself, but by putting yourself in the best position to succeed, you're putting your team in the best position to succeed. That's easy for me to say. And, you know, like, so, so doing those things and then, you know, we don't know how long it's going to be. It might be a hundred game schedule. It might be 162 or in double headers. Who who knows? But now you're in the best, best and ready to do what you can do. So keeping it moving is important. And I think that'll prevent a lot of people and a lot of pitchers from possible injuries because sometimes the turning it off and turning it back on, Hmm. is really the hardest thing. You hear about it all the time in spring training. This guy came up with shoulder soreness. This guy came up with elbow soreness. This guy came up with shoulder soreness, tight flexor strain, all these kind of things. Because when you turn your arm off and then you turn it back on, anything's possible. And there is no perfect recipe for that. And listen to your teams, listen to what they're telling you, but keep your arm moving, keep it going, you know, keep your workouts going the best you can so that when they say play ball, you're ready. August of 2003, uh, Ryan Dempster, you had Tommy John surgery. Did you feel it coming? Did you try to rehab without getting it? Yeah, I didn't try to rehab. I tried to keep pitching with it. Um, oh. I knew I knew I'd hurt it. Um, it was it was hurting me most in the 2003 season. Um, I unfortunately was masking it with you know uh, ibuprofens and then a little more handful of ibuprofens and then some things that were stronger than that so that I wouldn't feel anything when I was out there pitching. And um, mm-hmm. I was just doing damage. I, th- I thought I was, you know, I need to take the ball every fifth day and help my team. And it turns out every fifth day I was, I was doing a really good job of helping us lose. And, <laughs> um, it, it, and then it just became something that became intolerable. I pitched a, a game against, uh, uh, I believe it was against Atlanta. Um, and I, I actually had struck out nine guys in six innings, uh, gave up six runs. Um, and wow. the next day I went to go play golf and I got to the golf course and I got to the driving range and I went to go hit one wedge. And I was like, and I looked at Kent Merker, who I was with, we were at Muirfield, uh, up, up there in, um, Columbus, beautiful golf course. Here it goes. Mm. And I just looked at him and said, Merck, I, I can't play. And, and Merck always tells a funny story because you don't get very many off days during the season or a chance to go play Muirfield. And he said he looks at me, and, he, and then he looks he looks straight at my eyes. He goes, hey, hey, it'll be okay, man. Just stretch it, stretch it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I rode around the golf cart, and I went and got an MRI the next day, and uh, 
and it was really bad and a complete tear of my ECL. And so then Dr. Kremchuk did the surgery, and thankfully, you know, um, after that, I never never had an issue and um, was healthy the rest of my career, at least when it came to my my elbow. Ah, but look at you! You stepped up and rode the cart in pain and let Merck play because so he I didn't make sure to he miss was the refilled on all his beverages, you know. <laughs> Put the pins in, so, rake the bunkers. I know how it goes. <laughs> so you're, you're rolled, you're rolled changes, but you still got a job to do. I hear you. Absolutely. Hey, you there's know, a pecking order, man. When you're lesser, when you have less service time, these are the things you got to do for the veteran player. <laughs> you were, you were MVP of the golf outing that day. Really? What you did was essential. A hundred percent torn, torn elbow up and all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we painted in the house uh, here yesterday. My wife did all the painting, getting up off the ladder and stuff. She doesn't trust me to actually do the painting, but I poured the paint into the pan. You know, I did um, I did a little taping. Um, I walked around like I was her sous chef. I was the MVP of the painting project. Without without me, it doesn't happen. Is what I'm saying. And you and you were sure to not not drop a hey, honey, you missed the spot. You know, <laughs> no, oh no, she did yeah. a phenomenal job. Absolutely. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so, so the Reds released you. Um, was that was that like? Did they straight up release the injured guy? Was that was that a, as, as cruel a world as it as it looks like on paper, or was did it go down differently? No, it went down differently. Actually, um, both my agent okay. and I had uh, talked to the general manager and just said, "Hey, listen, like." <clears throat> if you guys aren't going to tender me a contract, which we've probably figured they wouldn't, is there any way you guys could just release me? And then that way teams that are out there know that I'm uh, a free agent. And at the time I was kind of comparing myself, uh, you know, at least contractually to uh, Chris Carpenter um, who had had surgery and the team, the Cardinals had signed him to a one year deal with a team option. And so I was looking at it the same way as like maybe I could have a team sign me to a one-year deal with their option. If I get healthy, then they can pick me up when I'm healthy again. And uh, we got in contact with one of my favorite people of all time, Jim Hendry, and just said, uh, you know, I'd really like to play there in Chicago and would this something you'd be willing to do? And he said, absolutely. And um, and I got this great Jim story. It's really awesome. So, you know, this he tells me this is what they want to do. Um, you know, now I pretty much am telling other teams I'm good because I'm going to sign with the Cubs and um, this is going to happen. I'm going to do a one-year deal with a team option and I'm, everything's good and off-season's going on and, you know, they're worrying about 40-man roster spots and I understand that, but I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. And, and then they signed Maddox to a, a free agent deal. And I'm like, wow, man, now they got Greg Maddox, Mark Pryor, Terry Wood, Carlos Zambrano, and Matt Clement. I go, I don't fit in this equation anymore. Oh, you know, man. and and I'm just getting a little bit nervous. And I called Jim and, you know, I get in contact. And I said, you said you were going to sign me. Now you're, and he goes, oh, are you mad? Are you mad that I signed these other guys so we can maybe win while you're hurt? Is that okay? Are we allowed to win while you're hurt? You know? And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, but like, what about afterwards? And he's like, fine. And the next day I got a contract done and signed, you know, like it was just like, he's like, I'm a man of my word, you know? Didn't you believe me? And he did. And he totally did. It was just me, the person getting a little nervous. Meanwhile, you know, Jim was just really great about it. But I just remember that, like, is it okay if we can win this year too when, you, when you're hurt, you know? And I just thought that was so great. Oh, that is great. That, that, so I hope you don't mind if we try to win. Uh, my God. And then aggressive timeline for your return. August 2004, you're back to the game in the bullpen. That's 12 months. A lot of times now it's 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 18 months. you got to save in September that year in, 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 yeah. in, in 2004. 
Yeah, well, and like, too, you know what they did when the rehab process, because I was pretty much writing off um, 20, you know, 2004 as a season I would just be rehabbing. We just said, all right, let's not, you know, the, the protocol at the time was four, four months, you, after four months, you start throwing. And so I'm out in Colorado and um, my rehab therapist was like, why don't we just wait a few extra weeks and just keep building up the strength so that we're even stronger and we get past that point, even though we're fine because you're not rushing back for anything. So I waited a few extra weeks to throw and, you know, my arm felt even stronger and stronger. And then he was, I remember going to play catch and I was like, so it's healed, right? And he's like, yeah, I go, I can throw and it's not going to blow up. And he's like, no. And that first throw, I just like put a nice little crisp little throw on it. And he's like, well, maybe not that hard, you know? And I was like, but it felt fine. And, um, you know, and, and then the Cubs did an amazing job of, you know, my rehab, uh, you know, along with the rehab and the physical aspect of it. Yeah. There's this mental aspect of it too. And that was the one thing I asked for from Jim was I don't want to just sit in Arizona when it's 120 degrees and be down there and be miserable and then come back to a team that nobody knows me and doesn't care about me because they don't have any kind of relationship with me. I want to, I want to be around the team. And he was like, fine. And so I would rehab. And then when the team would go on the road, um, I'd go to Lansing and, and be with the lug nuts and drive down to Lansing and be a part of that team and make a start, do my bullpen, do my rehab. And then when the team would come back off the road, I'd go there. So from a mm. mental standpoint, I just felt fresh. I felt good. And I think that contributed to my physical, um, you know, kind of well-being too. And, and my, you know, just overall, you know, health. And, and it was just huge in, in kind of coming back from that. And I remember being in AAA, pitching well, feeling well, velocity's there, arm feels good, but we have five healthy starters because he had to go sign Maddox, you know. But I called him and Dusty, and I said, hey, why don't you guys put me in the bullpen if you need bullpen help? And they were like, you do that? And I said, yeah, man, I wanna, I'm ready to go. So um, they put me in the bullpen beginning of August. I uh, made a couple uh, bullpen appearances in Iowa and then was able to help out of the bullpen uh, in the big leagues, and which ultimately led to me being a closer for three years. So uh, my own willingness to help the team, <laughs> you know, cost me my spot in the starting rotation for three years, but thanks mm. to good old Lou Pinella, I got that back in a way. I, um, yeah, we got to talk about your 2005 season. Cause there's, I love picking through your career. You keep some unique company with what happened that year. And I don't even know if you're aware of it. I'll, I'll ask you about that next when we come back and we got to talk about off the mound. You dropped an off the mound. It just came up in conversation um, a, a little while ago, talking about throwing off the mound. We got to make sure people understand about off the mound. I'm still pissed I missed it at Innings Fest out there in Arizona. Ryan Dempster, generous with his time here on 670 The Score. You're listening to Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. Keep it right here. More to come. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T Mobile.com. 